0: Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. My loves, this week, you've got a real treat in front of you because I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Adam J. Kurtz, who's a queer writer and artist who you're going to absolutely adore and be charmed by. I first Uh, discovered his books in a hotel in a really stressful moment in my life. And it made such a difference. His work is really uplifting and fun and kind of everything you need. So I hope you enjoy this reading as much as I did. Adam, this is your very first reading with me. Your first astrology reading ever, correct?
1: Yes, this is is a first.
0: (laughs) Exciting, very exciting. No pressure, no No, pressure. I just want to see, well two things, actually. i love to confirm you were born October 19th, 88, 11.06 PM in Toronto, Ontario, correct? So is there anything specific or general that you want to ask me, anything specific or general that's going on in your life?
1: You know, I am in a period of really great transition. I think a lot of us are given everything, but I picked up my life in New York and my husband and I moved to his hometown of Honolulu, Hawaii. So I'm like a Canadian now living in a tropical Island and starting fresh, you know, have to make friends as an adult, picked up my, my art practice and my author career and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like surrounded by ocean. And I'm so out of my element. I would love any sort of insight into what's coming What could I be doing to prepare myself for anything? You know, what could I do to be more open to adapting? Because it feels like a rebirth. It feels like this is a new chapter in in such a foundational way.
0: Absolutely. And I have a question before we begin. Do you want human children babies?
1: Uh, How are you attacking me? We just started. Um, I... We go back and forth. I think the answer is no, but we also, I, I would be a good parent. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but I would be. Yeah. I can't. I don't, I don't want children, but if I was somehow required to raise a child, I would do it with my entire heart.
0: Interesting answer. Does your husband want children?
1: I don't think so. I think our perspective is that we are so stupid and lazy that why would we ever do this? But if we were, for example, if we were straight and we accidentally had a baby, we would keep it. We recently became godparents, and you know, God forbid, if something happened to our friends, we would raise that child. I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the often heartbreaking process of adoption, I don't think I have the strength to go through that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know, there's there's so much to talk about with what's happening in your chart. I'll begin by saying this for you, a huge part of your kind of mission in life and your overall wellness is around creating a lifestyle. So like a day-to-day life, an hour-by-hour life that is sustainable for you materially, psychologically, and spiritually. This is like theoretically true for everybody, but for you, it is salient. It's this very material thing for you, especially at your age, you're probably very aware of that. And you're lucky in that. The way that your chart is written, it's kind of like your career and your conscious life objectives is in concert with that need. So that's, you know, why you've been able to create a career that brought you from Toronto to New York and from New York to Hawaii, right? Which is a really great place for you to be. Whether or not it's the place you'll be forever and ever is a separate conversation, but it's a great place for you to be, to kind of locate yourself in a new way, which is really what it's about now. The question of children uh, is a really important one. Has this been like active in your relationship recently?
1: It has not, but we became godparents last week.
0: Oh shit! Okay, so
1: that is very new.
0: Okay, so you do have a transit that is activating the issue of parenting right now, mm. and it's a really big. You're going through a lot. Like you're going through. A yeah. Lot. No
1: shit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. you've yeah. got, you're going through a lot. Oh and yeah, this period of your life, and I say this period of your life, I'm talking about the next couple few years. So mm-hmm. it's not just this moment. It's not just 2020 or 2021. This period of your life is, if I could kind of try to like create a summary of it, it is about confronting what you need to let go of and positioning yourself both internally and behaviorally in new ways than you have in the past around change and actually this has a lot to do with the choice around kids because from an astrological standpoint when i'm looking at parenting or having children i look to the same place as i look for being an artist and creating art Mm. because it's all about procreativity there's so many ways of embodying procreativity And your chart right now is focusing a great deal of pressure around what are you willing to let go of to focus on creation? And what is it that is calling you to pour all of your love and your blood and your sweat and your tears into? And it doesn't have to be an either or, but just in like two minutes, I already am hearing from you great clarity that it is yes art. And it is not a no for children, but it's not a yes for children.
1: Yeah. As you're speaking about this, I am really feeling the truth of it and the parallel of it in the context of uh, my new book that's coming out soon. Because I had this moment where, you know, I've made a few books before that are a little bit more friendly, a little fluffier. And I had this moment where I was working on a new book and it was going to be more of the same. And then I had a full stop moment where I said, that's not truthful. And I want to put my entire heart, soul, and being into a new book that could really help other people. And I had this moment of identifying my core purpose and understanding this book as a conduit to really have a conversation with people who share a a sort of hopeful but depressive inner monologue the way I do. And Mm -hmm. so I have been calling this book my baby, not just because it's physically small, but because it is everything that I believe and feel and, and hope it's those late night life talks that I have with my close friends and I am trying to find a way to like put it into a thing and send it out into the world. And it feels like an extension of my heart in a way that none of my work before ever has. And so I know, you know, when people talk about their projects, everyone is like, Oh yeah, I I love this. And I work so hard. This feels different than anything I've ever made. And the people who love me, who know me have been echoing that back to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So this might be, My current baby.
0: You know what? Let me back that up astrologically, because in your birth chart, you've got both the sun and Pluto in the fifth house. And in fact, Pluto is intercept that fifth house. What this means is a lot of things, but in the context of what's going on for you right now, currently you have saturn square to your natal pluto you've got uranus opposite your natal pluto and you've got pluto square to your sun and so this shakes down to mean a lot of things but a major one is is that you're dealing with matters of great meaning and depth and Mm. that everything that isn't related to that which has authentic and deep meaning for you feels like it just takes all your energy and it's not fucking worth it basically yeah
1: yeah yeah i am I feel like part of this move has been letting go of that. And and part of the creative stage that I'm in feels like, how do I set myself up for the next decade of just authentic creation, authentic existence as a person, separating myself from my brand and separating myself from the faux identity of New York City, because I really applied this location as an identity to myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, COVID hit and the distractions stripped away. And I was like, wait, do I even like myself? And let me figure out what I like about myself and then hone in on that, celebrate that. And then almost like sharpen those tools and wield them with intention. So I'm just trying to show up as like who I actually am. Stop hiding. It's an embarrassing truth to be like, you know what? I'm like a Jewish mom. I just care so much about everyone, whether they want me to or not. And just stand up and be like, you know what? That's my fucking superpower. Too bad. And you know I just what? want to help people. Okay,
0: I got to say some things because so important. Okay, so first of all, it's really cool for me because I'm just hearing you articulate your birth chart. So whatever that That's means so to funny you, to me,
1: because I don't know anything. I- okay, sorry. I feel like then, you're affirming no, you what's been swirling in my head for so long. It's so comforting, but also like foundation shaking just to hear like to hear it affirmed from an external source. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rather than it just being this sort of hypothesis about myself that I feel is true, but maybe have also quietly been doubting because can I ever really know myself at all? I don't know.
0: I'm going to return to that, sir. But before (laughs) I do, you said something both really funny and sneaky uh, a second ago, and I'm going to just jump in on it, which is about having shame around being a Jewish mother and then also starting to come into acceptance of it. You have, as I mentioned, all this stuff in the fifth house, you also have the moon in Aquarius in the eighth. I'll tell you what this means. It means that you struggle with shame and you struggle with not just shame around things that other people said to you or messages you get from society. And there's, of course, lots of negative messaging that you would get around all of that. It's also inherited shame. Whenever we're dealing with Pluto, the eighth house, really any of the water houses in astrology, we can kind of see uh, inherited or ancestral issues. And a huge part of what you are currently and will over the next couple of years be working on is not just how you position yourself in relationship to creativity, meaning, family, you know, whether that's babies or not babies, husband or not husband. It's, It's so much bigger than that. It's not just those things. It's also about releasing things that are not actually yours, but that you have resonated with for so many years. And maybe your family has for generations Mm. Um, and releasing it because it's time and you're ready doesn't mean it's easy or graceful or that you're super confident about it all the time. This is like deep, sticky shit. I want to just acknowledge that because you said lots of really important things. And in the middle of those important things, you also, you know, dropped in the Pluto trigger word, which is like shame, right? It's like feeling bad about something that, I mean, who doesn't love a Jewish mother? Maybe there's a lot of answers to that, but also who doesn't want to be taken care of by a loving Jewish mother with, by the way, a cancer rising. Literally, Mm -hmm. nobody doesn't want that because that's like attentive service-based love. So if you can apply that to your work and the people in your life and also to yourself, that's, that's a good life. I want to also kind of pull back to acknowledge what you said about New York, right? Like being so identified with New York. And I think that happens to all of us when we're in a specific place, but New York is it's New York, right? So I think it's in particular like that, especially with career stuff, you know, you have Mars conjunct your midheaven. It's the highest planet in your birth chart. It's in the sign of Aries at zero degrees. And what this means is you are driven, you are driven to make things. You are driven to be seen as someone who makes things. You're driven to go fast and to go hard. You are driven to kind of show up and be like, hello, I've shown up. Do you see that I've shown up? And the rest of your chart is not in concert with that. The rest of your chart is like, I feel things. I'm not pushing you. I'm not pushing me. Everything ebbs and flows. The rest of your chart is less forceful. But that Mars, man, that Mars is just like, yeah, I fucking belong in New York and I need to publish all the books and I need to write all the things and I need to do all the things and I need to make sure that I do it in the world so that it's seen so that it can be validated. A beautiful part about being, you are only 33.
1: I'll be 33 next month. On the same day the book comes out is my birthday.
0: So there's two things I'll say, and this is something I've talked about on the podcast in different contexts, a bunch of times, but the 33rd year is the Christ year. And have you yeah. heard of this? Yeah,
1: I have heard of it, but I have to be honest, as a Jewish person, I immediately recoil
0: okay. when people uh, I'm tell Jewish me something as well. like that. I know, I will which tell is why you,
1: I feel like I'm volunteering this. Otherwise I'd be like,
0: <laughs> okay. Have you seen Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical from 1973? I have not. Okay. This is. Is not my I, homework. I'll yes, take it. It is okay. 100% your homework. I will say I didn't know anything about Jesus until I watched that movie. I mean, of course, I know some things from pop culture, but I watched that movie and then the Christ year clicked into place for me. And in the movie version, it's like, is he having a spiritual awakening? Is he maybe a little of a megalomaniac? Is he a little mentally ill? Like what's actually happening here? Did his friend betray him or did his friend try to like call him in? Uh, hmm. It was a little unclear in the movie which I really like that part of the Jesus story because the Jesus story to me is not a historical story. It's a myth, you know, no offense to anyone who believes it's a historical story from my perspective as an astrologer, you know, those three wise men were astrologers and his whole arc, like what everybody's so obsessed with was during his Saturn return. It was the lead up years of a Saturn return around 29. And then he was killed at that double Trinity year of the Christ year. And the reason why it's really important to know about the Christ year is because when you're 33, that year is the pinnacle year of your Saturn return arc. It is when everything that you've worked so hard on since like 27, 28, and certainly 29, it kind of comes to a material presentation for you. You start to really feel what you haven't worked out and what you have. And so it's Mm. generally a time of both things really coming together and really coming apart, depending on how you've done your homework, right? Right. And so terrifying, it, it <sighs> is terrifying, but I, also... my stomach
1: is like, like, I feel like butterflies and like some of them are happy and some of them are biting me from the inside right now.
0: Okay. So the fact that you have work that gives you meaning and that you have physically relocated to be away from the New York eyeballs, right? Like the like CNBC thing and that you're by the ocean with family And that you became a godfather or a godmother. I don't know how you identify. I respect all. This, to me, is a really good sign. And I can already tell that that is part of what the Saturn return was pushing you to.
1: Yes, 100%. So
0: the other question that I have looking at your birth chart about what your Saturn return may have been pushing you to is how you take care of grief and sadness and how you care for your physical body, right? Mm. Does that make sense to you about what was up for you in your late 20s?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. I think it was. I, I think that this time in my life has been marked by an awareness of self, and really, in particular, an awareness of what I was not doing for myself. An awareness of the way that I hurt myself. An awareness of the way that uh, I let certain things rule me while ignoring the basics. In particular, the way that that grief and shame have not been let go of, and in particular, the way that I have not been exploring or even paying attention to the brain and body connection. Mm. And, you know, I, I really use the move as an opportunity to change some things in a big way to really lean into the importance of my relationship and love above all, uh, to change my meds and, and to be feeling more like a, a person who can function with, uh, a little bit less effort. Yeah. It's, it's just been so much of everything. And also even learning to, to say that on a podcast, mm-hmm. that's a big shame I had to let go of is to even say that out loud to a person. So. Mm. I am so everything right now. I didn't, I'm so so naive. Like I didn't know that this was going to be um, therapy, but of course it Like, (laughs) is. I'm just like, oh, wow. This is like round one. And then I'm going to unpack with Dr. Gretchen on Friday.
0: I'm glad you have a Dr. Gretchen on Friday. And also- She's wonderful. I I mean, therapy is really great for you. You're a person who, who uses therapy as it's meant to be used. And I'm really glad to hear you name- this thing about getting into like the neuroscience of like learning about the brain, because that Mars at the top of your chart, when you can understand the physicality of a thing, it helps you to orient and it helps you to release some of this, this thing that you have that is written in your birth chart. And also probably in your DNA as a Jewish person around, like I have to be hypervigilant. I am responsible for everything. I have to be five steps ahead. I have to always be obsessing on the past. This is, you know, an inherited ancestral issue that your chart is written in such a way where you do a great job of just carrying the burden of it and just being like, are they rocks in the bag? Who cares? They're my rocks. This 33rd year for you, from my take on it, will be a lot of you giving yourself the space to figure out how to be present with the feelings and your body through this stuff. Because back to something I started to say at the very start, Pluto square your sun. And you've got Uranus and Saturn fucking with your natal Pluto, which means in English, you're being confronted by grief. And some of your grief is the grief of letting go of a bad habit, like talking shitty to yourself. Some of the grief is outgrowing the person that you thought you wanted to be so that you could be the person you actually are and the person you want to be. You know, it sounds so good, but the experience of it is outgrowing yourself And it's scary because even if it's a goal and it's an affirming thing, you don't really know what's on the other side. Whenever we have self-destructive or limiting behaviors, they serve us. That's why we have Uh, them.
1: For the listeners at home, I'm just like quietly nodding and tearing up because I feel like I knew these things or I knew the beginning of these things. And to hear them said so plainly is like shaking me to my core because- this is it. I mean, this is really what it's been. And maybe I didn't have the exact language to describe it. I'm someone who processes best through the tangibility, right? That's my entire art practice is making feelings real so I can confront them and then let go of them or try to. And also I am better at doing work um, on projects than I am at doing the work on myself. And so as I became aware that this moment in my life was about processing I made a book about processing Mm. so that I would be forced to think about it and address it. And, and so much of what you're describing is kind of like very succinctly what is in this book. And I, and as you're telling me things, I'm, I'm sort of in my mind's eye reading my own words and I'm like, Oh, Oh, she's clocking all of it. Like when I created this artwork, that's what that was. Or when I wrote this phrase, that's what I meant. It's, it's kind of fucking me up because I thought that this was like a secret that I was doing this work and no one knew. And, and here you are just very correctly identifying it. And it's actually a relief to hear someone else say it. And it's a relief. It's such a relief to hear the voice coming from like outside of the house because it's been screaming inside for like the better part of a year.
0: So first of all, I'm so glad it's validating and I cannot wait to see your damn book it's going to be delicious and confronting. Well, you don't a really need to read way. it,
1: I don't think, because you you seem to you just you got it already. Did you write
0: it? No, no you I wrote wish it. you would
1: have it would have been out already.
0: Well, you overestimate how quickly I write. That's for the I'm sure, okay. <laughs> but there's a lot that I want to say to this. And one thing is, were your grandparents in Canada or were they are they survivors?
1: They were in Canada, but my great-grandmother she escaped. Not the okay. camps. She escaped. She escaped Europe. Just she was right before. the camps. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her entire family did not. Okay. It was because, just
0: her. So I ask you this because you have a couple of the things that I look for when I am looking for survivor's guilt. And it's not like I actively look, they just jump out at me. But you have a couple of the things. And in particular, it does look like um you're related to artists and creators. So you're not the only yeah. one in the family, eh? No. And there's this shame around being an artist or being a creator when there's so much tragedy and pain in the world that is not just your issue. I mean, I'm assuming it's your issue from reading your birth chart, but it's an inherited issue. It is an ancestral issue. And part of what you're doing by bringing your own pain and acknowledging the shame into the work is you're healing it not just for yourself, but within the line. And I want to just clarify We cannot heal our ancestors for them. We cannot heal our ancestors, but we can heal the part of our line, of our genes, of our energy field that resonates with and holds that shame in this generation, in the here Mm -hmm. and now. And that is what you are being confronted with. You have been for a while, but really in 2021. It started really intensely in March and it'll follow you into what early the fu- How do you know that? Well, girl, you know, ah! it's not my first time. Oh
1: my God.
0: What happened?
1: I feel like I'm on, like, I'm waiting for the camera to pop out. Like I'm, I'm on like a, this isn't, oh my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't be
0: sorry. Don't be <sighs> sorry. What happened in March? Did something specific or was it internal?
1: I think there was an internal shift where I, so we moved here in October mm-hmm. and we were living with my husband's parents for a while. And I think March was the first month when it finally hit me, like, you're actually here. Like this isn't, you know, because we moved in October, it felt like, oh, we're visiting for Christmas or something. March was when I was sort of, I suddenly was like, this is your life. And March is also when I sort of had a final moment with this book project where I was like, no, 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 I know it's, it's done. We locked it, but I need to change something. And I made sort of my final change, and then sent the files and said goodbye. You know what I mean? And so it felt like both an acknowledgement of like, okay, this project that has helped me process is done. And also that first big wave of processing has brought me to this moment I needed to be at. And so it felt sort of like, you know, this is all a new chapter, but that felt like the first page of that chapter had been turned or Mm. or a page was turned. Something shifted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's going to, What the thing that oh. began for you then will be over late January 2022, and okay. I'm going to meant... mark my
1: fucking calendar. Yeah, dude. you are because it's <laughs> difficult
0: because it's fucking hard, and it happens oh. twice. It happens twice every 29 year cycle. So this is the wow. yeah, this is the first time you're going through it as an adult from an astrological standpoint, post Saturn return, in other words. And what this transit does is it confronts you with your shame, and it confronts mm. you with your control issues, and in your birth chart. That's this (sighs) ancestral stuff we're talking about. That's the issue of children. And it's not, do I want children? It's, am I supposed to have children? Should I? Mm. Uh, Because Pluto is obsessive and compulsive and motivates through shame and through healing. It's all of it. And so that is what you're going through. And at the same time, the Pluto square to the sun that you're going through, that one began in, at the end of February, so right around March, and that one's not over until December 19th, 2023, so it's a long transit. Okay. Pluto square to the sun is going to continue to infuse you with really intense creativity that's hard for you. So it's mm. like you're doing it, and you're like, oh, I know this is the right thing, and this is really working, and oh, why is this coming from like my bowels? <laughs> like, Why is this so hard? This work isn't going away for you. And I want to just reiterate that you placed yourself in such a restorative place of Hawaii is really a good sign for me as an astrologer, because everything in your chart or most things in your chart articulate that when you are in a place where there's lots of views, like technically, literally views, and also large water masses, you're just better to yourself. you have more space. Does that make sense in your experience?
1: Yes. Can I tell you that from the toilet, I can see the ocean and that is insane.
0: That's amazing. Congratulations. It's kind of like, I mean, it's
1: over the top of many, many buildings, but I can see it touch the sky and it is so grounding in a way that I've never felt before in my entire Mm -hmm. life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's weird to feel
1: so untethered at this moment in my life. And also simultaneously, like maybe the most grounded, and it's interesting to feel both of those things at once.
0: Okay. So let me tell you what that's about. Oh that's because- Do you, you know? His- I would yes, love to Yes, I know. do. Oh, I do. Okay. It's because you have historically associated being tethered to literally tying yourself to external people, conditions, identities. Yes. And that is no longer the case. You are anchoring yourself inside of yourself in your lived experience. Mm. And so your brain is like, I'm untethered. Why do I feel so grounded? It's because you were- tethering yourself to things that a young person does person in their 20s person in their teens does it's external things it's things that you can prove to yourself are happening but now you're not needing proof and it's not like you're like seven years deep into this so it feels like i know it's true but can i trust that i know it's true you're in that phase of development which is a really healthy if not uncomfortable phase
1: wow trust just jumped out as a key word there because you know, I do believe in myself, but then I struggle with like, well, should I, Mm. you know, historically my brain has tricked me before. Can I trust this? Can I trust the things that I know? Maybe I only think I know, like, I really have a lot of doubt around the good advice that my brain gives myself because I have had mental health issues in the past. I've got Um, great
0: things to say about this. Okay. So we're going to talk about mental health. And as we talk about mental health, I will preface it by saying you have a therapist. Je suis not a therapist. Yes, Um, always important. Yeah, yeah, grain of salt. And this is just like a companion to your pre-existing self-care. From my perspective as an astrologer, so you have this this concentration of planets in your sixth house. You've got Saturn and Uranus conjunct real tight. And then you've got Neptune in there. And in your birth chart, there's there's a couple of things that this means. And I'm going to add another layer in one moment. The Saturn-Uranus conjunction in the sixth, it articulates that the way your mental health works is very rooted in your physiological health. Again, this is why when you talked about the brain, I was like, yes, that's the right path, go there. Because for you, if you skip a meal, you will feel anxious or depressed or you can't focus. Like your mental health instantly says something's wrong, but you being a literalist, somehow Libra literalist, you're like, well, if I'm anxious and it's about anxiety, it's not like, oh, I need to check in with, have I had enough water today? Have I had, you know, grounding foods or whatever. But when you do that, your mental health is so much better. So that's one thing. And it's a really important thing. I will add to that because you have the moon in Aquarius in the eighth, food is a big deal for you, but you may forget that it's a big deal for you kind of frequently. And that moon in Aquarius does best with lots of little meals throughout the day, instead of like three or two big meals. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't really need stimulants. Uh, So coffee is what I'm talking about because you're naturally pretty stimulated. Do you drink a lot of coffee?
1: I love coffee as a ritual and yes, but I I switched to decaf for the first half of this year and It definitely changed my life for better. But now I'm back on coffee, baby. And (laughs) my anxiety is through the fucking roof. Sure,
0: sure it is, sure it is. So- Delicious,
1: I, delicious roof.
0: Listen, I love coffee, and I have so many things. I could talk to you for an hour about coffee. So I respect, and also your body doesn't like it. You have nothing but evidence, and so yeah. if this I just is a don't choice, need it. yeah. But if this is a choice you're making right now, it's not about beating yourself up. It's about recognizing right now this is the best I can do. Coffee's kind of an antidepressant. It's super delicious. It's a fun ritual. So I'm gonna give myself space to have it for now, understanding what it costs me making Mm. this kind of cost benefit choice is really healthy, even when it's an unhealthy choice, because then you can recognize, okay, I'm almost 33. I know what's healthy. And you know what, I'm going to make a good choice when I can. And right now I'm working on some other things. Like you don't have to be perfect in your thirties or your fifties or your seventies. You know what I mean? It's Mm. about being in journey. Now, the other thing, is you have this Neptune square to Mercury. So you've Mercury in Libra and it's squared Neptune in Capricorn. And this is the mental health ringer for you because this thing of not being able to trust your thoughts, that's the Neptune-Mercury square. It produces anxiety. And it's not the anxiety of like, where you're like focused on a million things it's anxiety like i have never seen a monster but i have heard of them and i believe there is one in the closet and i must protect myself from it it's like a fear of what hasn't yet happened and you have no evidence of but you really feel it yes. And the reason why this happens is because neptune makes your mind so neptune is the energetics here and mercury governs the mind Neptune makes the mind porous, energetically porous. So what you do is just your natural state is you are pulling in more data than you can process cognitively. (laughs) this make sense so far? Oh
1: my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My husband would agree.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your therapist would too, is my guess. Oh, Um, she would. Yeah. So you're pulling in more data than you can cognitively process and then it creates this sense of overwhelm. So what do you do? You don't drink water. You don't breathe. You hold your breath without realizing it. Yes. So then your heart rate goes up, your anxieties go up, and then it only bolsters the idea that all the things are wrong instead of, again, coming back to the body Where it's as simple as, have you done your like inhale, you know, five times, exhale five times. Oh my God. Yeah. So cool thing is, the cool thing is there's behavioral ways of managing this, right? Through breath work, literally like really simple or really complex, however you want to get into it, breath work. But keeping it simple is a big part of self-care for you. When you make things too complicated, you set yourself up for performance shit, right? And again, that, that distracts you. So keeping it simple is really wise. But there's the other thing, which is woo. And that's where I come in, girl. So part of the issue here is you need energetic boundaries around what you take in online. Because Mercury is what we read, what we watch. It's our thoughts, our attitudes. It's how we listen. It's what we say. It's our tone of voice. It's all of that. And so having boundaries with yourself around how you engage with your mind and what you allow in is really important. And that's a behavioral issue. Now on the much more woo side, I would say doing energetic boundary work and protection work is really essential for you and it will help your anxiety. And the reason why it'll help your anxiety is because on an energetics plane, what happens is because you resonate with shame or guilt or anxiety, you are kind of like, this, I don't know if this will resonate with you, this metaphor, but you're kind of like a black velvet blob walking through a room full of long haired white cats. Just, it's just attaching and attaching and attaching to you. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, it just sticks to you and it stands out to you. So what will happen is when the world is, oh, I don't know, struggling through a climate crisis or six million other terrible things, pandemic and systemic racism, and all the things, all the hate that's in the world. If you don't have clear energy boundaries and you're only like managing your social media feed, then you will be overwhelmed with thoughts that have feelings and sensations associated with them that are so overwhelming that they easily spill into anxiety. And it's kind of like the second time you eat mushrooms. If you've ever had mushrooms, it's like your body's like, oh, I know what that smell is. Hell no, I'm not doing that again. Slash also give me the mushrooms. So there's a way that it's like, it makes (laughs) you feel bad, but you know what it is. So you go for it. It's the double, you know, and now we have a kind of systemic chronic issue with anxiety that is actually, some of it is behavioral. Some of it is actually energetic. And then some of it's your brain. But I think that having this kind of multi-pronged approach to self-care doesn't have to be complicated, but it will help you. And I would imagine that when you're writing or drawing, you are not anxious.
1: I'm a lot less anxious. It's very like flow state.
0: Yeah. From an energetic standpoint, the reason why it's flow state is because you are energetically fixated on what you're doing. You're not just behaviorally fixated, right? So uh, the reason why I kind of bring up that specific moment that you know very intimately is because you already know how to do this. You know how to be energetically boundaryed. You just mm. don't think of it that way.
1: Yes, you're right. The it's language about, around it is different. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's about being all the way present with what you're doing, which doesn't mean you're not slightly obsessing on other things or that you're not like stopping to do social media breaks or whatever it is. But it means that when you're there, you're there, Yeah. right? So it's about bringing that kind of wisdom to other parts of your life. Artist you needs to teach the rest of you how to do a thing because artist you already knows how to do it, which means you already know how to do it.
1: Yes. And I love that we we often have an answer and we just forget to internalize it.
0: Yep. It's easy to talk about the answers. It's easy to know the answers. I mean, easy. I mean, it's relatively easy to know the answers, but embodying them takes emotional intelligence. And the reason why your work is fixated on the cultivation and journey of emotional intelligence is because that's your damn work. Well, and and it's
1: my work because otherwise I wouldn't do the work. You know, I really have, (laughs) I have tooled a life around the things that I need to survive because otherwise I would ignore them until I died. Yeah. You know, I have, I really like, I cracked the code on my, my weirdo, you know, and it's not weird. It's not dumb. It's my specific brain. Um, I have a question for yes, you hit me. and, and I will do my best not to internalize the answer, depending on what it is. Um, pretty much my entire life. I have just assumed that I would die young as a child. I told my mom that I would die by 35. And she reminded me of that enough times that, you know, like, I don't remember saying that, but then she would remind me that I said that. And what's been happening to me lately in life, as I approach 35 is the realization that actually you might not, but I wonder if there's any insight there. Sure. I mean, I don't think we can say this is true, but but why do I think this?
0: Mm -hmm. I, I, I actually do have an answer. Um, and I'm not scared of giving it to you. So don't be scared of hearing it. So there's a couple parts of the, the answer. The first one is uh, I don't predict death. I don't have that ability. I don't want it. So I don't do it. The other thing is. Can
1: you please uh, just kill me? Just come yeah. here and kill me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that is easier than predicting death to be So, okay. But the harder news is the reason why as a small child, when lots of children aren't thinking about death or dying or their thirties, you were. It's because you have this Pluto in Scorpio intercept the fifth house. And so you've always been highly attuned to things that are taboo and painful and not just painful, but excruciating. And as a small kid, your intuition was really strong. You were probably told you were a really creative child and that you like, you know, you were mature for your age and all those fun things. But part of what that's about is having a mind that moves faster than your emotions can chase it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you impress the adults around you and you make the adults' lives a little bit easier. In the meantime, you're struggling with issues emotionally that you don't know how to really parse through because you're a child and not an adult, not a a smart adult trapped in a child's body. You're just an actual child. And so this is where we get um, to the other part of the answer. Part of you was right. You saw a profound ending where your life would become something that was not the life you had now by 35. you were right. You misunderstood it. You misinterpreted it as many of mm. us do with intuition. From what I'm seeing around your 35th birthday, that 35th year, you will have gone through so much of this excavation and this spiritual awakening and this deepening of embodiment that you will not think of 33-year-old you the same way that you think of yourself now, you will be a very different person. And it's interesting because 35, there's an astrological phenomenon that happens for people around 35. And, you know, personally me and everybody's different, but I felt that my life began at 35 and I've been doing the work I'm doing now since 1995. So, you know, it's not like I started a new career path at that time. It's that I hit embodiment of these ideas that I had worked with, I actually was able to be in them in a whole new way. And that's the beauty of being in your thirties and getting older. It's not just ideas. It's not just theories you're running. You become yourself more. And so that's the death you've been scared of. Fair enough, be scared. But I don't think it's it's like a mortal coil meat suit thing. I think it's uh, much more of a spiritual thing. And that, if I'm reading your chart right, lines up pretty neatly with child you because child you was like deep and emo and spiritual in ways that you're starting to only kind of embrace and get to know of yourself again now. And so again, 35 year old you is not going to be in the ground. 35 year old you is going to be unrecognizable in some profound and foundational ways. That's the death.
1: Wow. That is so encouraging. That is so exciting. I I can't wait to meet that person. And you're right. It does line up with a lot of the work I feel myself doing now, even the work that I don't totally know why I'm doing it, or I thought I was doing it to take care of others, which is a very me thing to think surprise, bitch. You're also doing, it. (laughs) you can be the others you're taking care of. Wow. 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 The spiritual thing is interesting for me because I grew up Orthodox Jewish. And when I Mm. walked away from the religion, I didn't walk. It was a, it was a whole thing. When I, when I left that behind, I sort of rejected spirituality, period, because it was triggering, because it was wrapped up in tradition that didn't feel rooted in, in truth for me, that, that was proven to be inaccurate based on my identity or who I thought I was, or how I thought it meshed with who I was. And now I'm really sort of welcoming a lot of spirituality back. And even a number of, of culturally Jewish things or Jewish ideas around spirituality, separate from the organized religion aspect. And so I am also very curious to know who I'll be as a spiritual person three years from now, because I feel that creeping back in and it's, it's come back to me through art. It's come back to me through making the intangible tangible. It's come back to me through the connections and people and, you know, love is real. Love is the answer that's starting to really click in a big way.
0: I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble or make you mad, but you're very spiritual and you are highly likely to create a life as an adult. And again, you know, post 33 is is really where it materializes and gels more. That is very much spiritual and netted in spirituality. So being raised in any kind of orthodoxy or any kind of uh, strict religion the thing that it strips from us is the kind of embracing of God or embracing of universe. It it becomes about rules. It becomes about limitations. But that's actually not what spirit is meant to be. Spirit is in literally everything. And spirit is, you know, you don't have to believe in it or you don't have to do anything about it. It is. You were getting there in New York, but you can't avoid it in Hawaii. And yeah. it's as it should be. You've got these impediments that you're currently releasing. And mm. it's you're, you're all your religious self and your anti-religious self and your super woo self. It's all you. That's the cool thing. It's all different articulations and choices. And for you, remembering your free will is an important part of being able to step back into spirituality. So you don't feel like you're losing it to religion or cultural doctrines or any of that kind of shit. And that is something that is difficult for you, but it's in your nature to do. So it's not like foreign to you. It's just hard work, but you're not adverse to hard work. So it's not a big deal. Like you're going to do this. When I look at your chart, in order for you to evade your calling, you would have to do some really dramatic things, like really dramatic things. You mean
1: like dye my hair blonde?
0: So or the most thinking... dramatic
1: thing a gay man can do.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was thinking orange, but okay, fine. Um I actually meant drugs. Drugs.
1: Uh... Yeah.
0: Drugs would be a great way for you to detract yourself from your calling. It would be probably the best and most efficient way. Um which
1: you... drugs should I should I
0: <laughs> Do you no, do no, drugs? Do you do not... many drugs?
1: I smoke weed. I've dabbled with a few other things. Like I, I enjoy like a mushrooms moment, you know, like once a year, mm-hmm. like it's for me, it's social and it's contextual and there's lots of bottles of water, you know, standing right.
0: by. Great. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm,
1: I'm like the drug, the safe drug mom, you know?
0: Great. That's, I mean, that's what I would like to hear. And it makes sense because I pulled out the mushrooms metaphor earlier, but that's fine. I would advise you very passionately to stay away from opiates, and if you, for some medical reason, need to get it, like need opiates, to have a plan with a therapist about how you'll manage, and yeah, just how you'll manage and check in with yourself around the use of opiates, and again, mm. stimulants.
1: I think I maybe even know this innately. Like I've been prescribed pain medication and just not taking it Smart. because I'm a little bit like mm, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we don't we don't know about this.
0: Your physiology is addictive. Yes. And
1: oh my God. Yes.
0: Luckily you don't like to lose control completely. No,
1: I, I almost never drink. I really, I don't like to lose control.
0: Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good. I mean, your blood sugar can't take it anyways. You know, Well, it's
1: because my blood sugar is pumped full of sugar
0: through pure cane sugar. Right.
1: Yes. 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 yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and to that end, actually, you know, you do have to be careful. I don't know if there's type two diabetes in your family, but it kind of yes. looks like it. Yeah. So you have to be careful about <gasps> behavioral modification. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm a medical astrologer. <laughs> I
1: know. Jesus. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm like on a slippery path and mm-hmm. that is my core addiction is, is sugar. sugar. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so tied to mental health. It's so obvious. It's so, yeah. it's so yeah. literal
0: in your birth chart, the addictiveness of sugar and deep fried things, carbs, mm. um, yeah. those, those three foods they are, and I hate to be this lady, but watch me. They're a replacement for love. And no
1: shit.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, I'm I'm aware. I know. It's not about knowledge equaling a change of action or knowledge equaling integration. It's about recognizing that that knowledge is a stage of development. And we don't want to only have knowledge because that's not enough. And also, we don't want to shit on knowledge without integration, because we need to be in the state of knowledge before we can integrate that knowledge. And, you know, in your early 30s, No one expects you to have all the things lined up and integrated. You know what I mean? So give yourself some, some latitude. And then another thing is when you catch yourself knee deep in like deep fried sugar things with carbs on the side, you can be like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. And then I'm going to write in my journal about something that's going on for me emotionally, or I'm going to like schedule it for tomorrow when I have a free minute to do that, to just be like, this is information that I can use. And it doesn't mean that I have to change all my behaviors at once, because that'll feel like restriction and limitation to you. So it's about adding in behaviors. And then through the course of adding in those behaviors, you will organically remove the things that are self-destructive over time. That's how Mm -hmm. you're wired. If you go straight to restriction, that's the religious trigger, right? That's the childhood trigger. And it feels like something you have to fight against so you don't do it. And so this is where the only other thing that I would warn you of is around um, eating, making sure that you're not starving yourself as a way to moderate anything. You know whether it's emotions, your body, uh, whatever it is, making sure that you are developing a relationship with food that is based on sustenance and nurturance for you. The easiest way to do that might actually be becoming kind of like a food science nerd. And when you have again that knowledge over the course of time, you integrate it pretty organically. It's just not instantaneous, and you know you would like for it to be instantaneous.
1: Yes, please. Yeah, but yeah. no, but no. Yeah. So. Wow. So is, you're really, is- you're really clocking a lot of things. I, I I have not vocalized this to to many people outside of, I think my therapist, but I, I sort of recently. <sighs> All right. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. I, I recently sort of embraced the fact that I do suffer from versions of disordered eating and that, that, that is the label for it. You know, I think I'm so label averse. Mm-hmm. I tell myself that can't be me. That couldn't be me because I'm not that. And, and I'm really coming to terms with this, like in the last month, month and a half. And so for you, you know, we, we started with junk food, but for you to just talk about, about eating and restriction, and then also the context to religion and to Judaism, which has a lot of fast days built in. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's a connection or not, but, um,
0: for you, it is, you know, for someone else, it might not be, but for, for you, it is because it's tied into, we don't Uh. fast in Judaism. We fast to release sins. We don't stop eating. We stop eating because we've done something wrong and we're trying to atone for it. And that just that narrative, the way it lands in your nature and in your physiology, it can become disordered eating or a disordered relationship to eating. And so the cool thing about Judaism, though, and I was not raised religious, so, you know, you know more than I do. But the cool thing about it is there's also a lot of rejoicing around food. You yes. know, and I yeah. think if you're going to do anything, you know, ritualistic around Judaism, it should for sure be, you know, Shabbat because it's it's about lighting candles, honoring the dead. It can be a very political event uh, where there's like spirited discourse about the world and food, like a shit ton of delicious food and a spiritual relationship to that food. So many people who were raised in religions that were harmful to them describe what you've described this feeling of like I've just throw it all away. Because it hurt me. And for some people, that's just where you land. And that's where you should stay. And that's healthy and good. And for other people like you, that's a phase of development that's important. And it's essential. Finding your way back to a relationship to more than the material, right? Something spiritual, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be a full rejection of the religion you've left. It's a rejection of the version of the religion you've left, because I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of Judaism, your family's experience of it and expression of it is specific to, you know, whatever congregation you're from, but not to all of Judaism throughout time. And there is a way that your brain works where when you get interested in something and you do your research and you start like kind of taking in more data It just kind of organically starts to take shape. That flow we talked about with your creative process starts to take over. And so I do think a good piece of homework, not necessarily for 2021, it could be a 2022 thing, would be to do more research into Judaism, not religious research, cultural research, historical research, and you will inevitably encounter religious research in that and let that all just kind of be what it is and also have a nice therapist to process it with to see where there may be wounding that you can actually release because it's actually not your trauma anymore. You know, and again, we're coming back to that, that little kid self thinking, oh, 35, I'm going to be dead. That's part of it. You know, mm. this idea of death is, from my perspective as a medium, it's kind of a misunderstanding. The body dies, this life ends, but the soul does not live inside the body. The body lives inside the soul. So when the body dies, the soul still lives. So it's not death exactly. And that is why they call coming the little death, right? That's why we say that we, we can grieve an apartment, a relationship, a person. A period, right? Because these are all little deaths. It's it's about letting go and allowing that ending to change things irrevocably. And that's, I don't know, It's it's painful and it's difficult and it's scary. And it's also delicious and gorgeous and what makes life worth living and worth fighting for. It's all the goddamn things. The theme of death and dying and grief and releasing and starting over this is intrinsic to your superpowers and your biggest insecurities. This is, this is your shit. So this is your shit. So, (laughs) so this is like stuff to be really excited about and interested in. And then of course there'll be those dips, but it's interesting because even though that shit is your shit, like if you have any kind of mental illness or mental health struggles, it's not around that actually. So your mind might fixate on those ideas, but it doesn't actually come from those ideas. And that's, Mm to me as an astrology technician, very interesting because it affirms that you're living in a way that is engaging consciously with those themes. And that's what you're meant to do. You're not meant to not care. You care. You care very fucking deeply. And that's what you're meant to do. And part of caring deeply means suffering, Mm -hmm. not to be too Jewish about it, but it means suffering. So, you know, there's, there's a gift in the suffering. There's a gift in all of it. Now, We do have to wrap up anyways, but I want to see, is there any kind of like final question? Is there anything that, you know, you want to ask or say before, before we wrap up?
1: I think that you've given me a lot to process. You've really affirmed a lot of things that I have thought of, but also helped me parse through or assuage certain fears and certain doors that were opening. I feel like you have made me feel like it's okay to, to push them open a little bit further. Like, I don't need to be afraid of what's on the other side, especially around the slow return to embracing spirituality. Thank you. You're welcome. This You're has welcome. been, I mean, this is, I I really, I do not know what I expected coming into this. I feel like you've given me tools that I will take with me.
0: Wow. It, it is so my pleasure. And it's, I, you know, I have so much love for you and for your work. And I just feel like everything you put into the world is really helpful and it is helpful in the specific thing that I'm passionate about, which is the cultivation of emotional intelligence. It is my damn jam. And so I love what you do and I'm so grateful I got to do this with you. And I'm really, really excited for this process, which I don't think will be completely easy for you of the next couple few years, but is worth it. So it doesn't matter if it's easy. You know, take your time. There is no rush. The cool thing about something taking a few years astrologically is it means you're not supposed to be there now. You're supposed to be mm. on the path. You're not supposed to be at the top of the damn mountain yet. You're yeah. just supposed to be on the landmass. And you're very much there. So look at you.
1: Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Th- thank you. Thank you. Thank it is you, thank so you. my
0: pleasure. It's so my pleasure. All this news about online companies taking advantage of their users is really demoralizing. That's why I want to tell you about Fight for the Future. They're a group of artists, engineers, and technologists who've powered the largest online protests in human history, defending our most basic rights in the digital age. They fight for a future where technology is a force for liberation, empowerment, and free expression, rather than oppression, tyranny, and corruption. To support their work and learn more about what they do, go to fightforthefuture.org. That's fightforthefuture.org. I mean, I don't know where to begin this week because of what happened last week. You know, I mentioned on the podcast that we could expect that last week with the sun opposition to Chiron on the third and the new moon on the sixth and all the other things going on, I had named that we would see a lot of drama and in particular abuses of power. And what came up last week was so intense. Now, I don't know what was going on for you personally, but if it was hard or painful, may it have been in some way healing or helpful for you in a meaningful way. But let me start here, my friends, with just a couple things. And again, there's too many things to name of what happened, what got revealed last week. But the news came out about how AT&T helped to build and fund, I believe, 90% of One America News. And One America News is an extreme right-wing news organization, way, way more right-wing than Fox News. And to see that AT&T is behind it is really stunning. We also had uh, the Facebook whistleblower speak before congress and we learned we learned so much things that we probably already knew but now we actually know there are papers and they are damning about how facebook reportedly facilitated drug and human trafficking promoted eating disorders and conspiracy theories and misinformation that they knew were dangerous that they knew would spark all the division it has sparked it's been done very much to promote company over country, in the words of Zuckerberg, company over country. So we actually have a whistleblower uh, who came with every single one of the receipts and is telling the world. We also had on the 3rd of October, uh, the Pandora Papers, which if you don't know about these things, please do not rest with, you know, my brief naming of them on an astrology podcast do your due diligence. And if you have the bandwidth, read a couple different news sources about each of these things. And if you don't have the bandwidth for doing quite that, maybe get a news buddy and you each look at different news sources and then talk about it. Because what we don't want to do, what we don't want to do is be like, oh, well, world's corrupt. What am I going to do about it and keep on moving? It's important that we are informed and that we care, you know, And if you've got money, if you've got power, if you've got skills, use them. Use them in whatever way you can. What way is that in this regard? I don't fucking know. I don't know. It's very overwhelming. It all just happened. But it's important that we're thinking about these things, that we're talking about these things, and that we're having these conversations in public, and that we're putting pressure on elected officials, and that we remember that we live in capitalism, which means that where we put our money is an active investment in that thing and a consent to what they're doing. So, you know, if you are able to leave AT&T and its products, yeah, fucking do that, because this is some bullshit. Anyways, Pandora Papers. I don't know if you've heard about this. Unfortunately, it is not getting the coverage that it deserves. The Pandora Papers leak 11.9 million confidential documents including naming names, naming names of billionaires and celebrities and politicians, heads of state, and exposing them for using offshore companies and basically hiding their their assets and trusts. This is bombshell reporting, and it is years in the making by so many journalists. It is the largest investigation in journalism in history. And it exposes a shadow financial system that benefits the world's most rich and powerful. That's according to the website of uh, the ICIJ, and that's the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. It's a big fucking deal. It's a big deal. In fact, if you would like to support the ICIJ, which I really encourage you to do, we need to support independent journalism and investigative journalism. You can do so by just like going to their website. It's icij.org and donate to support their work because it's a really big deal. But all of these things are being revealed. And it is so tempting to want to say, oh, well, life isn't fair. This is fucked up. Moving along. But we can't do that because if we do that as a society, if we don't participate, if we don't care, we're consenting to it on some level. And of course, it's not that fucking simple. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. We all have our lives going on. I don't know where to begin. You, you probably don't know where to begin. If you do, please tell me where to begin. But it is important that we don't just kind of shrug and move on. And it is important that we take pains to try to understand what this stuff is about and to understand who, who benefits from it, who benefits from all of these terrible things realistically, can we just like hop off of all toxic social media platforms? Uh, No, that's all social media. And the whole world exists around social media, especially during a pandemic. So I don't have any simple answers, but I want to just acknowledge that all this crazy shit came out last week. And we, you know, a ghost of a podcast and friends were expecting some crazy shit to come out. And there it is. And when problems are revealed, whether in your relationship to someone in your personal life, uh, in your relationship to your body, or in society at large, it takes time and it takes many people to kind of unpack and understand what the hell's going on and then to come to action. We don't need to have the answer right away, but it is important that we check our restlessness and our distractibility and make sure that we are investigating to the best of our ability and participating to the best of our ability. When wild things are revealed in the ways that they have been, I mean, be informed, uh, look at multiple news sources, vet your news sources, donate to the ICIJ and other amazing organizations that do media protection and investigative journalism if you can. That's my, my preamble. If you will, we're going to get into astrology. You know, I mean, we, we were talking astrology. We're talking last week's astrology, but uh, let's talk this week's astrology. Okay. We're looking at the horoscope for October 10th through the 16th of 2021. You don't need to buckle up for once. I've got a pretty chill horoscope for you. Nothing too frightening. Isn't that lovely? Because this past week has been a lot. And the effects of whatever it was that came up within you or in your life last week are still very much at play this week. And so happily, the transits are here to support you. But it's important that you use that support, right? It's not enough to have resources. We need to use our resources in an effective way. And so this takes intention, and it takes sometimes work. So Let's start off the week. We started off with the first transit, which is exact on the 13th of October. It's a Venus sextile to Saturn. I'm a big fan, a big fan of this transit because what it does is it kind of strengthens our capacity to create security in our lives. So Venus and Saturn are two planets very concerned with security in very different ways. They can both be pretty materialistic and they can also both be really focused on like getting others to like them as a way to feel safe in the world. And so this is a great time to check in with that. Are you acting in ways that are accommodating to others at your own expense? Are there ways that you are Managing your sense of safety at the expense of your relationships? This is a great time to ask these questions because it's not a crisis. And when we use the sextiles, the sextile between any two planets, it makes it easier to bear when the next square comes around. That's a damn hot tip. This Venus sextile to Saturn, it's a great time to check in with essentially whether or not your actions reflect your fears or authenticity whether or not your relationships reflect your fears or what's authentic in the here and now. And honestly, we all have relationships that reflect our fears. It's normal and human. But to the best of your ability, get real about it. Get honest with yourself about it. Because then you can decide what you need to do, if anything. And maybe the answer is nothing. But this is a great time for fortifying your clarity about how you're showing up in your relationships. Another thing that's really helpful in this transit is if you have to deal with your finances, if you've got to organize your finances, if you've been trying to figure out what to do about something in your financial life, this transit's really helpful because it can help you to stay on target. And because it's a sextile and Venus is in Sagittarius and Saturn's in Aquarius, there's an inventiveness in it. There's a playfulness in it. And so you might be able to see perspectives and approaches that you haven't been able to see before. It might be something really small, but a lot of times small progress paves the way for meaningful and big growth. So don't knock this small stuff, okay? Okay. Another great way to use this transit is to show up and don't tell someone how you feel about them. Show them. Just be there, you know, be there and have your actions clearly articulate your feelings and intentions. I know it sounds so simple, but we don't do that so much of the time. And it's really a great time to do that this week in general and because of this transit specifically. Now on the fifteenth, we have an overlap with the Venus sextile to Saturn, and the Sun forms a trine to Jupiter. So we may get more uh, important news. Now, when the Sun forms a trine to Jupiter, it tends to be reliable news as opposed to propaganda. It tends to be something that is clarifying of the big picture, right? So it's it's some sort of truth, and that can happen again socially or personally. The sun trying to Jupiter is a time for fortifying your energy. It can be a time where you feel just like, oh, God, I, I, I'm less stressed. Like I can, I can kind of breathe. I've got more space inside of myself. Or you may just have a fun day. When the sun forms a 120 degree angle to Jupiter, it's actually really great for adventures and playfulness. So if you can find some room for play, this is a good time to do it. And it can be done, of course, with others or alone. It's not about any one form of being playful or having adventures. You know, for me, sometimes the greatest adventure is like I found a great book and I read it in a day. You know, it doesn't have to be going out. Although, of course, it can be. Just do it safe, wear a mask. We're in a pandemic. So Sun trying to Jupiter, lovely transit. Uh, It's also really great for learning new things. If you got to have a big conversation, if you want to, you know, investigate something, again, great transit for it. It's not great for details. And that is further reiterated by the fact that we are still, of course, in Mercury retrograde. It's almost over. It'll be over next week. But when Mercury is retrograde, we're less likely to track the details effectively. And the good news about that is this transit doesn't really want us to think about the details. It wants us to think big picture. But if you have to focus on details, if you're reading a contract or you're studying something for a test, you definitely want to do whatever you can to get a bit grounded and uh, make sure you're really focused because Sunshine Jupiter is not always great for fixated focus. Okay, that brings us to the last day of exact transits. And there's two of them. The first one is an exact Venus sextile to Chiron. And we also have Mercury retrograde forming a sextile to Venus. So a sextile describes a 60 degree angle between planets. So it's astrology's math. And whenever you hear me saying sextile or trine or square or opposition, we're talking geometry, right? We're talking about the mathematical relationship between planets. So when we have a 60 degree angle, It's an energetic, creative spark. It's when the planets who are interacting with each other from 60 degrees apart are getting along. They're kind of like, hey, what should we do? Let's have fun. Let's make it happen. You know, it's kind of an exciting dynamic between them. They are not fighting each other. They're not confused by each other. They're not oppressing each other or demanding change. They're like, how can we grow? How can we interact? Will it be fun? Okay, let's have fun, you know. So, That's a wonderful thing to know about a sextile. But when we're dealing with a planet like Chiron, kind of like when we're dealing with Pluto and sometimes Saturn, even when it's an easy transit, it tends to be a little spiky, like a little bit difficult. So this Venus sextile to Chiron on the positive can be a time where a difficult dynamic in your relationship So relationship to yourself, to your body, to your finances, your relationship to an individual person. And generally with Venus, it's a friend or a lover as opposed to a boss or a parent. But when we're looking at these kinds of relationships, they all have sticky points. They all have kind of like pain points and they may or may not be very serious. They may or may not be very deep, but that doesn't mean that they're not ouchie. And it doesn't mean that they don't touch on other more sensitive points that have nothing to do with the relationship, but everything to do with our own history of pain or suffering or trauma. And when we have a Venus sextile to Chiron, it's kind of like we're able to sit with those pain points without uh, going all the way into the pain itself. So the potential for growth and for transformation is really strong. But with sextiles, just like with trines, and that's a 120 degree angle, nothing is forcing you to do shit, not anything at all. And so what that means is that nothing's going to prompt you to do any kind of healing work. But if you do it, you'll be able to get through some kind of difficult stuff without a lot of problems. And that's really cool. I love talking about the benefic aspects and transits because they really do support us in making the most of our life and not from a motivational structure of pain or suffering, but instead of choosing to heal, choosing to grow, choosing to become more whole. Kind of kind of exciting, am I right? Now on the negative, if you've got an unhealthy dynamic in any of those relationships that I named just before... We have now you know a dynamic flow of energy, and so if you don't interrupt an unhealthy dynamic in a relationship or an unhealthy dynamic in your relationship to yourself, it's just going to keep on trucking. It'll keep on trucking, it'll just keep doing what it does, and it'll be working well. So we know this when we talk about like uh, the legal system and so many unfair laws which exist. you know, they're unfair, they're not humane, they're not just, but they're functioning exactly as they're meant to, right? Uh, So that's a really great example of not everything that's functioning effectively is actually good for us, right? Uh, When something is set up and it's inherently flawed, when it's thriving, then those flaws become bigger and stronger and more entrenched. And this is true, of course, socially, as well as very personally in our lives. And so this is a good time for checking in with if something's not working for you, how are you participating in it? In what ways are you consenting to engage with that dynamic? When we can find our own agency, nothing changes overnight, doesn't even necessarily feel better, but we are better empowered to make choices and choices that ultimately make our lives better and easier, maybe not in the short term, but for sure in the long term. Okay. And that brings us to the last exact transit of the week. We've got this Mercury retrograde sextiling Venus. This transit is just social. It's just a nice little like texty, hang out with friends, enjoy a great TV show kind of vibes. Nothing too spectacular, but really lovely for social connection. Mercury is communication and Venus is socializing. Mercury is kind of the platonic side of connection. It's talking and listening, joking around, all that kind of stuff. And Venus is more sensual. It's more about how you feel in your own skin around other people. This sextile is really just lovely for connecting with people in a way that feels good or enjoying or connecting with art or creativity in a way that feels good. It's it's lovely, but not too spectacular. I'm going to run through these transits uh, because here we are at the end of the week We've looked at the week of October 10th through the 16th, and on the 13th, there was an exact Venus sextile to Saturn. On the 15th, there was an exact Sun trine to Jupiter. And on the 16th, Venus was exactly sextile to Chiron, and Mercury, still retrograde, was exactly sextile to Venus. Those are the transits. And as always, if you're interested in tracking the transits and not getting taken by storm, and especially, of course, if you are a student of astrology, please do subscribe to Astrology for Days, the tool that I wish I had when I first started studying astrology in the early 1990s, because I'm old. And you know that I've, I could have used it every single stage of my study and private practice of astrology. It's a tool I personally use every day many times a day. While I'm inviting you to do shit, also, please do subscribe to the podcast. It does make a big difference. I don't want to put any pressure on you, you know, Um, but Panda Elizabeth Henry, my cat, has been talking to me about it, and he's just, he's just been really thinking a lot about whether or not people actually subscribe to the podcast that love the podcast, whether or not they write five-star reviews. he was feeling emo about it, you know, it's been an intense couple of weeks. You know, it was a new moon, whatever. He can be emo. So don't don't do it for me. Just do it for Panda Elizabeth Henry. Okay, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. And we're still here.